Hey there, and welcome to What's the Story? We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they've learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight to your inbox. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church, who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. Crowd Church provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions, just drop them an email to hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now, let's meet your host and our special guest for today. Welcome to What's the Story Today. I am chatting with Zishan Laldin, who is actually the infamous, uh, maybe notorious is maybe a better word, uh, brother of Sadaf uh, Bainon, who is part of the What's the Story team here. You will have heard her interviewing people. And in fact, her story is also part of the archives. Uh, so this um, Zishan is the first time that we've had a brother and sister uh, on the show, which I'm excited about because, frankly, we just want you here to spill the beans about Sadaf. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, it's worth saying that he lives in Sydney, Australia, with his wife, Jessica, and three kids. He is the founder of One to Another, which is a relief and development organization working in Pakistan and now also works for Anglican Aid in Sydney, Australia. It is late in the day for you, so <laughs> I'm aware of the time zone difference. But thanks for joining us from, you know, halfway around the world from Sydney, one of the most amazing cities on the planet. I love Sydney. Um, but it's great to have you, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Even this late at night. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So it's true to say, um, Zishan, that uh, your uh, beautiful sister sort of set you up for this, didn't she? 100%. Well, she kind of pushed me kind of hard into it. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't really a, a nudge. It was more of a do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful because I did, I did um, listen to her her one and it was great so yeah mm. excited good man well it's good to have you here and so how long have you been living in australia how long have you been in the in the land down under just over two years now okay how are you finding it in yeah. in, in sydney yeah it's it's a really it's a fun city it's beautiful um we really enjoyed it the kids have really adjusted well um work is great um Lots of cricket. So, Lots of cricket. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful. That's important. It's a wonderful. Absolutely. It's, a, it's been a really great, a great change for us. Yeah. Did you find it hard? Because you, you moved over to Sydney from Pakistan, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, where you'd obviously lived a fair chunk of your life, to, to be fair. Now, did you find the move hard? Was it a cool shock or was it actually pretty straightforward? Uh, no, I think it was, there was a lot of, um, things that that I personally had to deal with, but I do I would say that I was, um, I guess because I was prepared for it being a new experience. Mm. Um, I think I adjusted pretty well. On the other hand, my wife, who is Australian but has hardly lived here, um, in her mind she thought she was coming home. But um, yeah, I think she's <laughs> she's had this struggle more than the kids and oh, myself. Wow. Um, to adjust back, well, for her to adjust back to life here. So, yeah, it's been interesting. I think the kids adjusting and getting, you know, their lives together with school and mm. um, all the extracurricular stuff they do. I think because that happened so seamlessly, I think that allowed me to also kind of be able to adjust a lot better than I actually than I expected to. So, 
Yeah, no doubt. It's a, but it's interesting you say that Jessica, your wife, found it almost harder to adjust going back home than you guys did mm. going to a new country in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for her it was she had um, expectations mm. which maybe weren't realistic after so many years abroad. Whereas we came with just a, you know. See what happens, kind of attitude. So, <laughs> <laughs> with shorts and a t shirt, some yeah. flip flops, and away you go, right? Uh, and a subscription yeah. to the cricket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening outside of, uh, you know, the uh, the empire or the former empire, cricket is is one of those sports where it's a bit like baseball in a lot of ways. There's it, you you either like it or you don't. I don't think there's any mm-hmm. in between, right? You, you you if you like <laughs> yeah. it, you really really like it. Yes, and I really, really like it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Did you grow up playing cricket? Was that all part of the the, the deal, or uh, was that the sport that you you did? No, I actually didn't. I went to a kind of a missionary school um, in kind of the foothills of the Himalayas, um, and we didn't actually play cricket at school. So um, for me, cricket was very much. Uh, it was more about, you know, the fact that it represented Pakistan for me and it gave mm. me an identity in that. And so whenever there was a, you know, a series against some other country like that, that was kind of the passion. That's where the passion came from. And mm. I actually for a long time preferred watching it over playing it. Mm. Um, it's only now that my son plays it that, um, and, and I get to play an organized cricket here in Australia that it's actually, you know, something that I like like to do. But from the start, it was more just following it and following Pakistan and yeah. being obsessed with it and not eating for days if we lost to India or something. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and a bit extreme. A bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit extreme. I'm a big, um, I'm a big Liverpool football club fan, so I, I follow Liverpool. Mm-hmm. We're doing a time of the recording. We're top of the league. Uh, you know, when this comes out, who knows? <laughs> Uh, but we're, we're we're doing well. So I'm a big I'm a I do follow football. So I get the it's good to follow a sport thing, and I I understand. And um, from a national point of view, there are countries are, are good at certain things, aren't they? So mm-hmm. um, England likes to pretend it's good at everything. You know, we have a team for mm-hmm. everything, uh, which it, it really isn't. But you know, on the, you know, if the England football team is playing, I'm there. If I tend to not get involved with cricket unless it is like the World Cup. Um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of England's playing. And um, especially New Zealand, and it, more so Pakistan, I suppose, more recently because Sadaf's in the office. And if Pakistan are playing the crickets mm. on and all that sort of stuff, so that they're quite fun. So mm. I, uh, I totally mm. get that. They're eating for day, not eating for days. Though. I, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that was a bit of a stretch, but you you get what my yeah my yeah I do. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. No, some people take it very seriously. So you grew up in the foothills of the Himalayas, which just sounds very romantic uh, and almost like Bear Grylls' dream, isn't it? It's kind of like I'm I'm at the foothills of the Himalayas, guys, and I can just see mm. the sort of the the adventure calling. Uh, was it really like mm. that? Absolutely. I mean, on a clear day, we could see some of the the highest peaks in the world. Um, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I, I didn't appreciate it as much when I was there growing up, you know, but mm-hmm. um, as I've grown older and kind of revisited and seen what there was and looking back at, you know, the, the childhood that I had, like I, yeah, I'm really, really blessed to have had that experience. Yeah, no doubt. So did you ever get into the climbing of the mountains or were you just firmly at the bottom and that's fine? <laughs> I was very much happy to be um, in the plains um, while I was at school. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I was never really into trekking and hiking and, and stuff like that. But um, just a couple of years ago, I went up as far north as I've been um, with a bunch of friends before we left Pakistan, actually. Um it was amazing. I mean, mm. that the valley where we were in was higher than where my school was. And our right. school was at 7,000 feet. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Wow. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it sounds stunning. Sounds lovely, you know. And uh, I know Sadaf raves about that sort of the part of the world. And um, it's definitely on my bucket list of sort of, you know, places to go and view and just be in awe of those mm. sort of landscapes. I find that when I go to those quite 
um, I mean, not quite the same, but, you know, near here we have Snowdonia, we have the Lake District. And just the open spans with the rolling hills, you, mm. for me, you just, I feel in those spaces the closest to God. I don't know why. It's that element of nature mm. where you just feel the element of the divine. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys mm. had that growing up, but, yeah, I'd, 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 I can see why it's quite stunning. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I recall standing under um, one of the, the big mountains and just looking up, like we're on the road right below it. And it just, it's just really, yeah, really amazing. Like it really puts a lot of things into perspective. And mm. yeah, it does. I, I get what you mean about, you know, seeing the power of, of God and his majesty uh, in, in that. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So you went to a ministry, a, min, a ministry, <laughs> a missionary school. Uh, in the foothills mm. of the Himalayas. I mean, there's a calling right there. Would you like to go teach in a missionary school in the foothill of the Himalayas? Um, it, it feels like it's kind of up there with, would you like to go uh, teach in a missionary school that's in the Maldives? You know, it's just this beautiful part of the world. <laughs> yeah. What was it like? Is that where you became a Christian growing up in that school? Was that, uh, I mean, we yeah. know Sadaf sort of grew up with it within a Christian family, but uh, for those that haven't heard that show, maybe just tell your story a little bit, What you, the family growing up, your mm. own sort of journey to faith. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, as sort of has probably mentioned, um, grew up in a Christian home, um, went to this missionary school. I went since pretty much since preschool. So, I mean, I didn't know anything else, whereas I think my mm. sisters experienced a bit of uh, Pakistani schools at some stage um, early on. But um, yeah, so I kind of knew all the, the Sunday school stories. I'd grown up with that. I knew all the songs and, you know, and kind of had that um, upbringing at home as well as in school, as well as in dorm life. Um, so I like it was, and, and, I, and for me, looking back at that time, you know, I'm so, so grateful to God for um, the opportunities that, that he blessed me with because yeah, I think it, it, it's made me um, who I am today. And without that, I don't think, you know, mm. I would be where I am. Um, but yeah, so I kind of just went through school for many years thinking that I was a Christian and, you know, I, I knew so much about, I even like, I was actually pretty good at <laughs> memorizing scripture. I could like memorize chapters and chapters of it in school. But, oh, um, wow. and so I, I had that in me. Um, and, but it wasn't until the beginning of my senior year, year 12, that, um, where a lot of my good friends, um, had graduated and their families were leaving Pakistan and they were going back to their home countries. And it was strange because, you know, with some of them, you'd spent, you know, 12, 13 years with them in this mm. little bubble. Uh, and they were almost like your brothers. Um, yeah. and so all of a sudden they're leaving and. It's like, you know, what do you do? And it was really, really hard for me um, to see some of them leave and yeah. um, not knowing, you know, if we'd ever meet again or, or what. So, it was, I mean, it, looking back, it, it seemed maybe it was a bit over the top. But at the time, I, I really, I, I, I just was like, I don't know how to function. And um, so I was going through this pretty low time in my life. And um, year 12 had started after a bit of a break. And just wasn't feeling it. Didn't, didn't want to be there. It's kind of, you know, just like kind of stuck in the past, I guess. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, I remember my dad calling and saying, not that he knew, I don't think he was aware of any of this, but, um, he just said, look, you know, there's a, one of the old missionary ladies that used to work at the hospital where I grew up with my dad, where he was the director, um, was visiting again. Her name was Agnes Hislop. Um, and that's a great name he's like what it's a very <laughs> very good was she english because it sounds like yes. quintessentially english that name yeah she was english um and um so yeah for some reason i just it was quite a ways away and i had to i didn't have a car or anything i was in in boarding at the time and i had a bike mountain bike so i got on my mountain bike and i went up and met her and i don't know just started chatting about getting quite into a lot of detail about my personal life and where I was at and 
it was just incredible how I was just able to just like mm. <laughs> let so much out. And I remember her saying, you know, like, well, you know, you should try sharing all this with God. And I was like, but he already knows it. It's in my heart. He knows, you know, yeah. he can yeah. read my mind or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I finished up with her and I went back. Um, and her, those words just kept you know, bothering me about sharing it with God. And so I went, yeah. I went up onto the roof of our dorm and sat on top of these massive metal water tanks. And it was a clear evening. Um, I could see all the stars and like the tree line and the dark. And uh, yeah, I just, I remember it very, very clearly. And I probably spent, I don't know, maybe an hour, just under an hour, just like sharing everything, just speaking to God um in a way i had never had in the past um it wasn't like this official prayer you know it was yeah. just me talking to god and i think that was the beginning of my relationship um mm. with with god and i think all those years of that foundation that had been there like i knew i knew what he was but i don't think i fully understood him mm -hmm. and what it meant to be in a relationship with him and so i think that's where it started. And, um, I just felt a sense of peace after that conversation mm. with God and, and within a few weeks, like I felt my attitude towards where I was at the time, um, change. I felt much lighter, much happier. Um, I started to enjoy, um, those that were around me instead of avoiding them and whatnot. And, um, yeah, and I think that was the first time I experienced God working in my life in a personal way. Mm. And that's when I realized that, you know, there is, yeah, there's something that I'd been missing all these years. Like, this is yeah. what it's really about. Um, yeah. And so I think that was the kind of the beginning of my journey um, with my, you know, with my, in my personal journey with, yeah. with, with Jesus. That's cool, man. Yeah. It's just that whole, uh, how old, again, were you at this point? Uh, 17, 18, 18. Yeah. So I was about 18 when I became a Christian. And just this whole idea of actually pouring, we use this phrase a lot in church. It's a very churchy phrase, actually, pouring your heart out to God. Um, in the sense of just talking to God in a very real, authentic way and, mm. and actually being comfortable with that is one of those things that I think surprises people that they can do, you know. And so here you are, 17, 18, just pouring out your heart to God. I'm curious, um, did God say anything back or was it just a case of I just, I'm just going for this? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I felt him speaking back in that sense to me mm. at that moment, but when I saw things change, um, just even in my own mind, the way I was looking at life, mm. I knew it was something that wasn't of me. It was mm. something that I always put back to that moment um, right. in that conversation. That, so it wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was that mm -hmm. clear um, at the time, but I always remember when something happened and I was like, what? That's crazy. That shouldn't happen. I I'd always take it back to that moment where, yeah. Yeah. you know, where I'd had that conversation with God. So I knew it was significant for me and at that time. And I, yeah, I knew it was special. I just, I wouldn't say I heard his voice mm. at that time. Mm. <clears throat> it's interesting though, isn't it? But it's, it's the moment that you pinpoint where you go, no, this is where it sort of changed and kickstarted for me. And mm. actually what I'm hearing is that the moment of change for you was not from memorizing scripture, although it's obviously a very good thing to do, especially if you're one of my children listening. It's obviously very good to read the Bible and remember it. Um, it wasn't to do with that. It was more to just doing or more to do with just being able to be real with God and to speak to him in, it, in that kind of way. And it, it transformed things for you. That's what I'm kind of hearing. You know, it was mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting yeah. you're using this word relationship. So I'm in a relationship with God rather than just knowing about God. Um, mm. And I think many Christians would use that phraseology to to try yeah. and explain, <laughs> I suppose, to try and explain why or what it is they think or feel about God, why it's different. I don't just know about God. I kind of feel like I know him now. 
And I know he's mm. always known me, but I feel like he now knows me. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, I mean, go. I mean, I don't think I feel like that was because that was just the beginning. There was so much more that happened, and yeah, to this day happens that that you know that learning and that experiencing God and understanding Him and growing in my in my faith is it's still happening. Like, mm. so, yeah. but <laughs> but like you said, that moment where it went from you know just knowing of Him. Mm to actually experience him. Mm. Um, I think that was, that was the time. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm, all, I'm reminded of the prayer, you know, the apostle Paul prays this prayer in the Bible. It's recorded, I think in the book of Ephesians where he says, I, I, uh, no, I think it's in the book of Romans. I pray you will know the, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God. I pray that you will know this. Um, and it, and when you look at the language, it's not knowledge just from, you know, reading it in a book, it's like an experiential mm. knowledge as well. It's like, mm. I, it's like I, I can talk about Sharon and I, and I can talk about how I know she loves me, not because she wrote it down in a Valentine's card. Oh, that's just very nice, you know, mm. coming up to Valentine's Day. Uh, but because I've experienced that love every day since we've been married mm. and there's that, that joint thing, isn't there? And, and um, yeah, really powerful, <clears throat> man, really powerful. So that's, Let's talk about challenges then. So you, you've been walking with God for a little while um, and, you're, you know, we're talking about this relationship with God. You were living in Pakistan. You, you have this um, relief organization over there, which you're heading up. Um, you know, you're, you're sort of groaning your faith. Your wife's a Christian. I mean, I know the story a little bit, but I, well, I guess, spoiler alert, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, is it? There are things which you then have to face and deal with. Um, so what are some of the big challenges that you've personally faced where you, or that you face as a family that, you, you know, sort of God's brought you through? I'm kind of curious to know what are some of the, mm. the things there. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest challenge um that i had to go through um with my family um, that includes my sisters and my my wife and kids and um was my dad being diagnosed um with cancer stage mm. 4 cancer um back in 2014 and so we're just as a family trying to cope with this i was the only one in pakistan in terms of my siblings at the time um, and so when the diagnosis came in, um, my, the, my three sisters, you know, as they could, um, started to, to come back. And I think Noshin and Sadaf were back in the country and mm -hmm. I had actually gone because the international airport at the time <clears throat> was about a five, six hour drive away. And so oh, wow. someone would have to go pick them up, and bring them back. And so I had done that for those, those two sisters and the flights randomly arrive at like two in the morning. For some reason. <laughs> so, so you're very thankful for the 10-hour drive in the middle of the night. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and so, the, yeah, the truth is, for both of them, I, you know, we drove back, arrived, got home at like 6 in the morning. So probably wasn't the best, smartest thing to do, but <clears throat> just wanted to get back. And um, mm -hmm. with my third sister arriving, my mom decided she wanted to go and she'd take the driver and, you know, um, and so, yeah, um, she went, I remember, um, I had lunch with her before she left and yeah, I remember saying goodbye and see you tomorrow type of thing. Mm. And she went off to pick up my sister and yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. There was just something inside me that said, call her and find out if the drivers had a rest. I don't mm. know. I. Something was, wasn't right. And so I called her at like 8 or 9 p.m. And I said, you know, you're going to be going to the airport soon. Um, maybe I think they had to go at like 11 or 12. Um, I was like, has the driver had a rest? Are you driving back? And she's like, yeah, yeah. He had a big rest and we'll leave in a couple hours and we'll pick her up and we'll come home. I went to bed, but um, 
wasn't really asleep. And at 4.33 a.m., I get a call <clears throat> from, from the driver. And yeah, I just, I figured out quite quickly <laughs> what had happened. And mm. he wasn't really speaking, but I could hear um, and didn't know how bad it was. I tried to ask him, you know, what's happening. It was a big accident. Um, and I can just, I could hear my mom and my sister in the back, like, um, just, <laughs> it's tough to talk about because I still, um, yeah. it's very clear in my mind, but just the way they were crying was, it was painful. And, mm. um, it just got my mind thinking because there was three little kids in the car. My sister's kids were there too. And so it's the middle of the night. I don't, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, one of my best friends who I grew up with in Pakistan, um, he was, his name is Harun. He lived above me um, and we worked together at, at one to another at that time. And, um, <clears throat> I said, I went out, woke him up. I was like, this has happened. I don't even know where they are, but I know they're, between here and Lahore, so let's go. And he didn't say anything. Within 15 minutes of receiving that call, we were in the car. Um, but long, I mean, it's, I could go into, into a lot of detail, but basically my mom um, passed away in that car crash. Um, my sister was very badly injured um, and I think is still um, dealing with some of those injuries today. Um, her daughter, eldest daughter was also very, very, very injured, broke both her legs had her forehead um, kind of opened up and it was just, it was pretty bad. And um, so I was in Lahore with them and Nosh and Sadaf and my dad were in Multan um, when all this happened. And so it was just, it was just a really difficult time. And I, I can't um, express the feelings that were, I mean, it was just overwhelming. I don't think mm. I could even process at the time what I was what I was going through but it was it was just absolutely strange to, surreal to be there and looking at you know all this devastation and um, I had a difficult choice to make whether to go back with my mom's body or stay and be there for my sister and her kids and I was like if my niece wakes up you know she she's not gonna know who's she might recognize me, but she won't recognize anyone else. And so mm -hmm. I think that was the thing that, that kept me in Lahore at the hospital. Um, so yeah, I think, and then we went through, yeah, that was, that was difficult, obviously for my wife and our kids were little at the time, but yeah, it was, um, wasn't an easy, easy time. And then a year later, my father passed away and my sisters had obviously gone back to their lives in Canada and, and the UK and whatnot. And obviously were talking to my dad every single day, but mm. just weren't there physically. Um, and my dad kind of a year, he wasn't supposed to live as long as he did in the end, but he was, he, he was with us for another year after my mom passed. And it was an, you know, amazing uh, to have that that time with him and um my wife and i had then moved back into his home um after my mom passed so that we mm. could be there and care for him and, and all and um yeah so after my dad passed away um oh my sisters had all come back and he passed away with all of us there um but kind of the last little while leading up to his death was pretty pretty awful um I think there was a clash of kind of cultures, I guess, um, mm. in terms of palliative care. Uh, the Pakistani way is very, um, so we're, like you do everything you can to, to help them in that time. If they can't yeah. eat, then you basically force them to eat. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas my sisters um, were coming from a much more well, a much more medical perspective, I guess, or a westernized mm. perspective of that whole thing. And I think those two cultures clashed and it wasn't pretty. And um, I was kind of sandwiched in between. Um, but having been with dad and saw his love for his siblings and 
seeing the way that they had cared for him, you know, I just gravitated towards that and mm. kind of created a wedge, uh, I think, between myself um, and my sisters. And um, it wasn't, I don't think it was done. You know, it was just, it just kind of happened. It wasn't, mm. I didn't think through it properly. But I guess the aftermath was that, um, Dad passed away, and I think within a week, ten days, I think my sisters went back, um, and it didn't we didn't part well at all. Um, they were hurt. I was hurt. I don't think I, for a long time. I don't even. I don't, I don't even know. But I think for a long time, I didn't know if I'd even grieved properly for that right. because of all this external stuff. Yeah. Um, and and so you, as a Christian, you know that you're you'll see your parents again one day. They're believers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that, there's that confidence you have. And so mm -hmm. as a Christian, I think it, death is, has a different meaning. You know, like I, it, it hurts obviously because they're physically not with you, but it's not the end. Of, it's not the end of that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but to have your sisters who were like mothers to me, honestly, and still are, uh, um, <laughs> are to have to not to, to lose mom dad and then in a way them that mm. they're alive um was really difficult um my wife um you know she felt my pain <laughs> thing more than anyone else um but um yeah i think i think that was probably the hardest thing that i've had to to go through and mm. It wasn't just for a few months. It it lasted for maybe three or four years, you know, and it was difficult. I mm. I wanted a relationship with them. I think maybe they thought I didn't. Uh, it was just, it was complicated. Um, and yeah, but I think, I think going back to that topic of relationship, um, which mm. I think is so, it keeps coming back to me in my life, um, the importance of it. I think, thankfully, thankfully, um, as a believer in Jesus and as my sisters were, are still um, also believers of, in Jesus, I think, I think we were able to, you know, forgive each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, that experience, I, I mean, I haven't seen Sadov since this event i haven't seen mm -hmm. her for 10 years physically oh, wow. like, been in the same space with her yeah um but i got the opportunity to meet two of my sisters and i had an opportunity to to spend a lot of time kind of hashing out some of these things with mm -hmm. her and i think for me that was another time where i felt god's presence um, yeah. there were things that were discussed and things that i wanted to like yell at them you know like um in in those moments of conversations that we had but something held me back and i really i felt for the first time in my life i felt the holy spirit um in in those moments and um to be able to spend a week in canada with them um to walk away knowing that we're good we love each other we forgive each other um, yeah was was everything um, yeah so yeah i mean I, I i i'm just so grateful to them for one for forgiving me <laughs> um and yeah because absolutely said and did many stupid things but um yeah just it's it, it all comes down to to jesus um yeah knowing him and being able to to forgive because he forgive us right mm. Well, well, firstly, thank you for sharing. I, it's a, I mean, if to lose your mum like that, obviously your sisters and your, your your sister and your nieces get injured, and then all because you you know your dad's been diagnosed with cancer. Everyone's flying in to see him, and you, it's mm. it's it's a horror story in a lot of ways, you know. And it, um, mm. and I'm listening to you talk about it. Um, and then in the midst of that, to sort of have this sort of, I don't know if I'd use the word breakdown, but this sort of fallout, I suppose, with your sisters as well. 
Um, and then you talk about forgiveness, as in you forgave them and they forgave you. And, and you know, spoiler alert, you're obviously getting on well with your sisters now and Sadaf still feels the need to boss you around quite a lot, I would imagine. Uh, and, you know, that, that everything's back how it was <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but for, forgiveness isn't always easy. Uh, and uh, forgiveness is not always straightforward. It can be quite messy, but I think it's one of those things which is a sort of a key thing to the Christian faith, right? Um, and there are lots of benefits that come with forgiveness. It's always hard to do, but when you when you feel like you've forgiven somebody, actually, I think you tend to feel an awful lot better uh, about life. Mm. Just walk us through that process for you guys. What was What did forgiveness look like? How did you have to wrestle with that? Hmm. I think, I mean, I, after dad died and my sisters left, I went through probably the darkest period of my life. Like mm. I couldn't sleep without drinking um, and a lot. <laughs> like mm. for three months, like, I, I lost the plot completely. Um, and in, in that time, I think I, without Jess, uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably it may have ended differently, but she was, she was that that rock I think mm. that I needed and that person that kept pointing me to, to, to God. Um, so yeah, I'm super grateful for her and, and the role that she's played, you know, uh, in my life. But I think forgiveness, the, it, it, it was weird because we weren't in the same country. You know, we mm. weren't, I wasn't able to walk over to their house, knock, knock. I want to mm. talk. It wasn't like that. And so, um, just getting the courage to even connect on a video call because of you're not sure what they're thinking. There's no, there's no communication at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so it took, it took a really long time to get to that place. But I knew from the very beginning that there has to be resolution of some sort. And I had to be able to forgive and be mm -hmm. forgiven. Otherwise I wasn't going to last Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it, I would have been able to to survive. Um, but forgiveness, I think, was is very much an internal thing. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I had to come up, come to a place where I was like, you know what? What matters more? Um, me being able to let go of the hurt that I feel I've been through, um, and then having a relationship with my sisters, what, what mm. meant more. And, and that meant a lot more. That meant everything to me. Um, and so I think part of those three or four years were me kind of like, I would go through like these angry phases of like, like I'd stay up in bed and I'd, I'd have this like 10 minute, like monologue that I was like, just <laughs> shouting at them. Uh, and then there'd be times when I just be like, no, like, that doesn't, that's not right. You know? And so mm. it took a long time. It wasn't easy. Mm. As you said, um, but when, and I actually went to Canada to a friend's wedding. I didn't go to visit them. Yeah. I, I went somewhere else and I was like, Hey, I'm coming. Would you mind if I drop by kind of thing? And obviously their arms were wide open, but, um, it wasn't until we were physically, um, you know, together that um, I think being physically together allowed the forgiveness process to happen more easily, you know? Yeah. Um, because you're able to see expressions and, mm. and feel emotion and it's real. Mm. Um, so I'm really glad that it didn't happen over a video call or, you know, I, I think it was really necessary for the, the, the degree of pain that I was in to have it, you know, that much more real to be there in mm. person to experience, experience that. And it was, it was, I felt, I felt so much lighter. I felt um, complete joy um, leaving Canada after that. Like I just, it was just totally different. Wow. And yeah, I think there's a big difference between that and reconciliation. Um, I think that is a different Thing. I think it comes mm -hmm. later, but, and that's something, I think that's what we're all 
in my mind, that's what I'm working through right now yeah. with them. Yeah. That takes time. Yeah. Oh, powerful. Powerful, man. I, I'm curious if I can just rewind just slightly. Um, you said for three months you were in quite a dark place, drinking quite a lot. How how was Jessica in all of this? Because this is your in in, in one sense she's married into your family. These are your sisters. Um, this is your mum. This is your dad. Life is not what it was. Um, the man that she married is is going through an insanely hard time. Probably doing stuff that she, if you were to ask her, I don't know, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I know if you were to ask my wife, she would not approve of me drinking heavily. That's for dang sure. <laughs> um, and so yeah. I, I'm kind of curious, how did she deal with all of this? Yeah, uh, I think she was hurt as well. It wasn't, I think it, it wasn't just me that was, that had kind of felt the pain of some of the stuff that went on. Um, she was very much next to me and was hurt in her own ways. Mm. And and equally was the instigator of hurt and pain. Yeah, for them, you know, it it wasn't just a one. So I, in a sense, because she knew, she felt similar things. We I think she was able to um, really know what I felt. But I think she, being slightly outside of it, um, was able to kind of control <laughs> control it better than i could mm. um and so i think yeah i think she she was yeah she just for me i think she being able to talk to her and and it wasn't it wasn't i think in times like that if you have someone that keeps reinforcing what negative thoughts you're having mm -hmm. um which is in a way which is kind of what you want because you want to feel like you're right yeah, yeah. um but she didn't do that um even though she was also feeling mm -hmm. that pain um and so i think having i mean there were moments when she would agree with me and was just as angry as i was but mm. in the long run i think she she was able to keep keep it much more you know real and mm. was able to help me see that a lot more wow sounds yeah. like a remarkable lady Yes, she is. Yeah, <laughs> funny, isn't it? Um, I remember Smith Wigglesworth, the, the, the old preacher, he wrote, um, I remember this quote he said uh, about his wife. I think she was called Polly, yes. He said, everything I am under God, I owe to my dear wife, Polly. And I think the longer I'm married, the more I realize he's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The, the longer I live, the more I realize everything I am under God, I owe to my dear wife who who has put it with a lot and seen me through a lot of things and has been an amazing person. Um, what's also interesting listening to you talk is um, just how close you were as a family to your sisters, because I know, um, I don't know whether it's a Western thing, whether this again is a cultural thing, whether you just happen to be this way because you were living where you were in the situation you were. Sometimes people are close to their siblings. So some people will listen to this will kind of, will feel the pain of actually what it's like to be separated or to have this sort of acrimony, mm -hmm. I suppose, between you. Um, but some people might be listening, kind of going, I don't, I just not, I'm not like close to my, my brother or my sister, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, for me, I'm four years younger than Salah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm youngest by quite a ways. And um, I think I was always spoiled by them and my parents <laughs> you know, i was the only boy and you know boys yeah. have they have a much higher value in pakistan <laughs> for, for for families which wasn't the case in our home but mm. um no i yeah i think um and then i went and then because i was in boarding like i i really only saw my mom and dad for maybe four months of the year or mm. three, three months of the year. The rest of the time I was in, in boarding. And I remember, you know, you know, from the age of six or seven to be alone away from your parents. Um, and every time I was homesick or there was any problems, it was always those three, one of them or all mm. of them who mm. would, would be by my bed, comforting me, you know, to help mm. me get to sleep or whatever. So it's always been, it was always close. It was more mm. than a normal relationship. Mm. that you would have with your siblings because mm. i i needed them like i would need my mother mm. as a child you know mm. um 
and thankfully they i think they yeah they love me um in that way as well mm. you know and so yeah it was it was always a very i always looked up to them still do um mm. have a huge amount of respect and love for them and um yeah whatever they said i would do you know like this girl okay you know wear your clothes like this okay let us cut your hair okay you know like yeah. whatever it was yeah um i just yeah i just love them um, mm. and yeah so i think our circumstances the way we grew up kind of maybe exaggerated it a bit more but um yeah very very close and not just not just us like our cousins mm. like mm. super close like people mm. look at us as cousins and be like this is weird <laughs> you know like it's not normal <laughs> um but i think i think that that came that loving like that came from my eldest sister for me and mm. like i i mm. saw the way she loved mm. everyone mm. um and i liked it and i mm. and i wanted to to be like that so wow. it's powerful man and it's great that you had that you know and i and I, i i want it for my own kids that they actually have strong relationships with mm. each other and um it's nice when you see it um ironically it wasn't until i moved out that i started to get on really well with my brother <laughs> you know when we were both living at home we would fight like cats and dogs but um yeah interesting interesting what's I'm, the i'm pretty sure got it i was just gonna say i'm, I'm sure if you ask sort about her relationship with her other two sisters it'd probably be the same they probably mm. got closer when they were further apart. i was so much younger <laughs> that it was different for me but i'm sure they had their Well, I know they had their dramas growing yeah, yeah. up as kids. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. That three three girls are going to have their dramas. But I, I, she always speaks very fondly of her family, uh, you know, and you kind of go, this is really cool that you guys were so close. What's the, mm. um, what's the one lesson then out of all of this, out of all the stuff you've gone through, um, both as a family, you know, in your sort of own walk with life, um, what's, mm. what's your one lesson if you had that God sort of taught you over this? I think... Um, understanding the value of relationships mm. that are in your life. Um, I think, and this is not, I don't think this, yeah, I guess, I guess my, my experiences to a certain extent, but I felt, I've always felt that relationships matter. I think yeah. to maybe to my friends or my, my siblings, um, maybe I, think of them too much, maybe, I don't know, in their minds, but it's always been like that from when I was a mm. young kid. Um, mm. And I always wanted to, you know, ha have or put my all into the relationships that mm. were around me. And yeah, it probably wasn't healthy everywhere, but <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I think that has been something that as you know, all having experienced all this stuff with my sisters and I, I've really grown to, to value, um, the relationships that God has put me in. And I think mm. it comes from, it comes the little that I've thought about it. Um, I think it comes from the fact that, you know, God created us to be in his image. And I think mm. in, that could mean a lot of things, but I think in one sense, um, it's that relationship and yeah. you know he from beginning of creation he's ultimately wants a relationship with us mm -hmm. um and you know through sin and and all it kind of got messed up and then he had a plan and that was jesus and and we have to have a relationship with jesus um, mm. to be saved and it's so key in my mind it's just so plain and simple that that's such an important part to yeah. this walk and um you know i'm i think the relationships that we have um we choose some and we choose we don't choose others we don't choose our family um but whatever it is um whatever those relationships are in in this moment in this time that circle that's around you i feel that they're all in some way um mirroring my relationship 
with God. Yeah. Um, they're challenging me in different ways. They're, you know, at the end of the day, every relationship that I interact with is an opportunity for me as a person to become more Christ-like. Hmm. Um, whether that's me with my son, um, whether it's with my wife, with, you know, my sisters or some friend or a colleague at work or some uncle that, you know, is old. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, like, you know, like they're in my life for a reason. Um, mm. And I, as a Christian, um, it's my responsibility to give it my all, not pour everything in, you know I mean? Within mm. reason, if, if that makes sense. But they're all there for me to to learn from and, and to become, um, yeah, to, to learn the characteristics that, that, um, that Jesus has and that, that mm. I need in my life. Fantastic. Listen, I'm aware of time. Uh, I, I have so many more questions. Um, thank you so much, man, for coming on and, and sharing your heart and just really great to connect with you and, 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 you know, great family. Yeah. You know, you, great heritage by the sounds of it and i look forward to meeting your mum and dad one day because I, I, I really look forward to meeting them i think they're amazing people given the family which they have um if people mm -hmm. want to reach out to you um, if they want to find out more maybe about uh the the project in pakistan the projects the stuff that you do in the city if they just want to connect what's the best way to do that um probably email okay yeah yeah well, we will make sure that your email is linked in the show notes. Um, or, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll rather than spill it out on the air, we'll definitely make sure it's in the show notes. Um, but um, so do check that out if you want to uh, reach out. But um, yeah, listen. But thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Crowd Church is a digital church, a community, a space to explore the Christian faith, and a place where you can contribute and grow. To find out more, check out www.crowd.church. And don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a whole lot of inspiring stories coming your way, and we really don't want you to miss any of them. What's the Story is the production of Crowd Church. Our fantastic team is made up of Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzelak, and myself, Sada Fainan. We work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is the creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletters to get all this goodness delivered straight to your inbox. So that's all from us this week. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.